1: Hello and welcome, one and all, to the HP Podcast, episode number 252. We're getting old. Dave is here with me today, uh, repping Puma, one of our corporate sponsors. Thank you to Puma for sponsoring the show. That's not real ad. Dave, how you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. Tell me how the negotiations went with Puma in your most recent acquisition talks.
2: The negotiations were short. Um... Yeah, I bought two Puma shirts on the weekend, uh, mm-hmm. $10 a pop from uh, Winners, which I think is like your Marshalls. Okay, yeah. So they have like a bunch of like surplus designer brands or whatever. Yeah, uh, or, so yeah
1: or something like that.
2: Can't go wrong. Can't yeah. go wrong.
1: Well, you could go wrong. You didn't get the sponsorship deal. That Yeah, I mean, but I mean,
2: in terms of buying clothes, <laughs> it's, it's difficult to go wrong at Winners <laughs> and or Marshalls. So, yeah.
1: Understood. Well, good to see you. Glad to see you're um, very bright and illuminated and um, that 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 has been rectified. Uh, Brandon coming to us from a
0: familiar yet unfamiliar location. How I'm you doing all right today, Ben. I uh, yeah. the chat saying, holy shit, Brandon finally killed Dustin. Uh, and yeah, that's not the case this time. I'm in the process of moving next right? time. And yeah. so uh, Dustin was kind enough to lend me the studio um, to kind of ease the transition period until I get reset up. So very grateful to him yeah. um, for allowing me this space. He's got a much, much nicer setup than me. I'm not jealous. I'm just observing. Uh, so should- you don't have your,
1: like that, that chair where you can like recline in it and have the screens above you. Like that's what your new setup's going to be, right? Like a whole, just like a, a backwards racing the rig or something, kind
0: of
2: yeah, like yeah. the <laughs> leg straps and stuff that attach to the oh, roof. Oh my and goodness! The yes,
0: <laughs> wait, the There straps? is all in due time. I gotta, oh, I gotta find a couple structural here. supports, Dave, before I can, you know, some <laughs> some beams before I can kind of. He called it the cockpit, uh, so I, I don't know. Something's going on, yeah.
1: Brandon. How many titular statues are there near uh, you right now that you could? I may not be. A, you? Can you yeah, wait I, wait I mean
0: higher than i can count i'd say um but uh (laughs) you can't beat it boys i'm just glad to be back it's been a couple weeks um not the usual scenery but nonetheless glad to be here with the boys and glad to be here with chad so well it's kind of a throwback for
1: those who don't know um i think probably most people who listen or have listened for a while know probably the first 200 and of the first 240 episodes before we went like to uh, to being live uh, and doing this remotely, of the first 240 episodes, I'd say 237 of them, 235 maybe were filmed or were recorded in that room. Of course, Dave was uh, remote for maybe all but one of those. but I have been in that room, though. He has been in that room. He slept in that room, I think. Yeah. So uh, that room, it's really just a beckoning home for the HP podcast, honestly. Only the
0: OGs remember. It's a pretty okay. sweet room.
2: Now, I, I was in there before all the titular statues, uh, yeah. but it was still pretty cool then. So. You yeah. wouldn't have
0: been able to contain yourself with that sort of thing around. So, <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be on the show with those
1: statues. <laughs> at that time. Dustin sometimes says he's not a weeb or not a real weeb, and I'm like, have you seen your room? Have you? Like, just have you? What have you watched for the entire last two years? Explain sometimes you just got to gotta lay
0: out the bullet points and kind of make your own call and that sort of thing, man
1: yeah that's right speaking of making your own call you can make your own call on whether you want to help support us financially or not by going over to patreon.com slash handsome phantom we appreciate it if you uh you want to join us there it's as little as a dollar a month if you're an audio listener you get ad free early access to the show for the video folk well i guess you get whatever youtube wants you to get uh, but we appreciate you guys uh, who support us there on Patreon. And also, if you want to hang out with us, whether you're a patron or not, you can do so over at handsomefantum.com slash Discord there. Hang out, um, talk about new games, talk about stuff you're doing that weekend, talk about how you're going to rage at Mario Wonder, which I will participate in later in the show. And uh, Discord also, is gross th- this week. There's so... a lot of feet stuff going on. There's a lot of just... Dave, I need we need to address this.
2: Price shopping big tennis statues. <laughs> <laughs> I was very disappointed in the chat and how quickly they they, they uh, honestly answered that question, which was a joke, by the way.
1: What but, was uh, I forget what it was. Oh, you asked if it was like a real <laughs> statue or something? Yes,
2: Dustin specifically. And uh, yeah, the, the amount of uh, actual answers I got in, in a very short period of time was a little discouraging, but yeah. degenerates we are. That's okay.
1: Yeah. I also wanted to point out that um, you posted a picture of one of your, your acquisitions this week. Yeah. Not the Puma acquisition, uh, Mario Wonder, and uh, I got the feeling there was an intentional, intentional shot of how one of convenient. convenient.
2: No, no, it wasn't intentional. I've already had a meeting with the handsome Phantom HR department on this, so uh, you know I've 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 been read my my uh, my rights and all you that. Miranda your Miranda rights. rights, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Won't happen again, sir. But uh, it wasn't intentional. I Wouldn't make any
0: promises, Dave. Yeah, I really wouldn't on camera. I would not make any promises. I'm not your lawyer, of course, but
1: you guys have both gotten yourselves in trouble by making promises on camera Recently,
0: oh, when, when will we learn um,
1: that our actions no. have
0: consequences
1: that's right guys you want to talk about some news some video game news by the way this is a video game news show most of the time most of the time <laughs> can Number i
2: just one. can i just say Ben? okay okay as an advocate of digital gaming, like this sort of thing wouldn't happen because I can't Uh, take a picture of a digital game. Yeah. So just, I mean, there's another, another mark in the, in the digital game column is, is you don't get accidental feet pics with digital games.
0: Well, I mean, that could be a positive for some people and a negative. for. All I'm saying is if you try hard enough, you could have been holding the (laughs) switch up and being like, Oh, look at my new game on the screen. I'm just saying, (laughs) The feed can yeah. persist, digital or not, Dave. So don't, don't think it's mutually exclusive here. This isn't a physical digital world as far as feet are concerned. They are one. <laughs> I'm just glad you had pants on. You know, speak for yourself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Number one. Naughty Dog has announced The Last of Us Part 2 Remastered for PlayStation 5. Set to be released on January 19th, 2024, this edition will include a new roguelike survival mode called No Return, a guitar free play mode, and a comprehensive dive behind the scenes with director's commentary and newly recorded insights. The game will feature enhanced graphics, including native 4K output in fidelity mode and and an unlocked frame rate option. The remastered version will leverage PS5 features like improved loading times and DualSense controller capabilities. Existing PS4 owners an upgrade to the digital version of the PS5 remastered version for $10 at launch. Boys, I wanted to talk about this. We've talked about a lot of these like remakes, remasters, milking us for all they're worth kind of thing. But the biggest thing for me with The Last of Us Part 2 is that there was a PS5 patch that added in, and it was free, by the way, most of the features that they're bringing with this. Now, granted, that new mode, we'll talk about that. That's a selling point. I think for sure. But it seems like the rest of it. I guess what I'm saying is, Dave, is this for us who already have the last of us part two? We don't need a new one. Or is this really just to get the new audience in the door with the success of the TV show, make a little extra money for people who are diehard, et cetera.
2: Yeah. I, I think the simple answer is, is there is an opportunity for Sony to bring in a bunch of people who've had an interest in the show and maybe haven't played the game or bought a system or something like that. Um, but, I mean, as mentioned in the chat there, like we, we've also seen this with Death Stranding and Ghost of Tsushima. So I think this is kind of a, a larger, overarching cash grab strategy, this whole $10 re-release thing. My big issue with this is, again, it's a three-and-a-half-year-old game, or it will be in January when this comes out. And this is being p- positioned as as a remaster. Whereas with, with Ghost of Tsushima and, I believe, with Death Stranding, um it wasn't it was just sort of a a next gen upgrade because those games came out in kind of an awkward in between time just Mm -hmm. before the ps5 came out so um yeah i mean i'm not saying anything new or groundbreaking by by saying that i don't like this and i really wish that naughty dog and and sony first party were kind of focusing on on you know newer stuff than doing this because it's it's nothing new and as you said ben a lot of this stuff is already out there um also like how do we have two unnecessary remasters for The Last of Us franchise and nothing for Bloodborne? I understand there's a difference in relationship when it comes to like Naughty Dog and From, but still, it's it's just it's I don't know, it's it's not cool and the other thing that really gets me is like there's probably a lot of people out there who maybe they pre-ordered The Last of Us part 2 for when it first came out or they bought it at launch like with the expectation that they're getting this really good campaign plus factions. And obviously we know since then factions is basically dead or essentially on ice. Um, but we, we are getting this roguelike mode, which is cool. But at the same time, like if you want that now, when you have the PS4 version, you have to pay more for it. I know it's only $10, but the principle is, is it just kind of sucks. And we're seeing a lot of these shitty moves from Sony. Um, if these things are paying off for Sony, then unfortunately, I think they're going to live on past the Jim Ryan area. I don't know if it's all him, but in any case, this is kind of annoying. And yeah, just give us a Bloodborne remaster. That would be cool.
1: <laughs> Brandon, your thoughts. Um, who's this for? Why are they doing this? Yeah, I mean, are you upset about factions? And in fairness, I will say real quick before you go. They did announce that factions would not be coming with part two before before you had to pay money okay. for it, but they still led you I mean the marketing
0: before that was that factions was going to be part of it, and now it's not right so take yeah, I mean it. I kind of feel two different ways about this. I've been thinking about it for a couple of days now, and ultimately I, I I don't think it's that big of a deal what they're doing, and I think that why wouldn't they do something like this when they had such success with the last upgrade and the last upgrade much more extensive. I understand that. Um, But I think a $10 price tag really for people who are diehards of the series, there is value there. And I don't think that they wasted too many resources trying to put this thing together. I mean, they made it look better. They added a couple more features and all the extra content probably was already bagged in some fashion or another. Like yeah, for Sony, I feel like this really is a win-win. I don't know that it's a win-win for the consumer, Um, but you know, obviously, they're going to charge $70 for it. It's a new version of the game. Whether you want, you know, whether it's the same game that came out years ago or not, it's like in no reality would they have charged less money for that. That would have set a precedent that nobody else would want to keep. So I get why they're doing this. And I guess I'm glad it is only $10. All in all, it's like two really expensive cups of coffee. And like if you loved the game and you got some extra stuff, I think most people won't even care about it looking a little bit better cuz it's a it's a nominal difference but a couple of, yeah it can't be I'm that saying. much
1: especially from the from from
0: the upgrade that they already put out right the, the so patch. you know it being a tweaked version of the game you getting a little bit of extra content maybe you could fuck around with a guitar that won't mean much to most people but I do think it's notable that this is probably not for the people mostly that already own the game I would say for the most part. And the value that the people that do own the game get is that it's only $10. Now we could argue whether that's shitty right. or not, but to me that I would like it to be free. That's not the way these companies work. You know what I mean? They put something yeah. into this and they want some return. And, you know, even though that's right. not the most consumer friendly thing, I get it and think it could honestly have been a lot worse. So I, yeah. I I'm not going to do for it me- is what I'm saying. I'm not doing it, but you know, there's a lot of people that will. You're not going to go for the $10? even? Probably, probably not, no. Yeah.
1: For, for me, I, I played the, the first Last of Us three times, I think. The Last of Us one. Not part one. The first Last of Us. And I've only played The Last of Us two one time. And I thought that I would probably would never play it again. Um, not because I didn't like it just because it was everything I needed to be. And that was, I was done and it was 30 hours long, which was too long for me. But I think just for the experience, whatever this no return is going to be, it's a roguelike survival mode. I feel like if I buy it, the upgrade for $10 just for that mode and play it for a couple times, it's probably worth it for a last of a spinoff, essentially. Um, I definitely won't be buying a a full new disc or whatever, um, for, you know, $70 or whatever they end up making it, but buying the digital upgrade just for that extra mode, I'll probably go for it unless it comes out and it's doo doo. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. It's mainly a win for PlayStation because obviously you can get this for PS4 and it will play on your PS5 with a PS5 patch for. 20 30 bucks if you buy it physically and probably a little more than that digitally unless it's on sale, which it usually is. But I don't think it's a really good deal for consumers. I think this is meant for people who are coming in for the first time off the TV show or whatever uh, or just like we said with part one, it is for whenever they do the inevitable PS5 re- or um, PC release because that's a huge market they haven't haven't experienced it and of course why wouldn't you put it out on ps5 as well since you're already making it for pc so let's go over to the chat here and see what a few people are saying here uh shout out to oh they've already kind of commented on this one but shout out to spider-man 2018 tsushima and death stranding getting remasters in a shorter time frame i think spider-man was a remaster Were tsushima and death stranding i think they were like ps5 editions
2: they they. were they, I don't know. Again, it was a positioning thing. They felt like right. upgrades rather than this is a remaster.
1: Right. I know Tsushima, the upgrade, there was a PS5 upgrade and then there was a PS5 version, but I think it was basically the PS5 upgrade for people who already had and it. They I don't had for sure.
2: Like DLC with that too, which made it, I think, a little bit more valuable.
1: To Tsushima did, or Death Stranding did. Uh, Icky
2: Island for Tsushima.
1: Like, yeah, and cost extra. Oh, that's right. You mean, with right. The but I mean, mean in, in yeah, terms of yeah, the yeah. overall package. Yes, that's um, true. That's yeah, that makes it more yeah. valuable, I guess. And especially for people who know that was a sleeper hit. In my opinion, I was not looking forward to that game at all. And like two days after it came out, mm-hmm. I could not stand it because Brandon and another friend of ours were talking so highly about it. I had to get it. And then I loved it. I ended up spending like 70 hours on it, platinum it, playing the multiplayer. Yeah, it was man. I, I'd love to go back to Tsushima, but I'm thinking I'm just going to wait. Until the uh, the next one's announced, and then go back, play the DLC, etc. Uh, Ed says, "Where are we landing on boys? The disc version is going to be seventy dollars. yay or nay? I'm saying yes as well. Yeah. What do you guys think? Probably seventy bucks. Yeah. There's I don't no way. It.
0: I mean, I just don't. Yeah. There's no way.
2: Do yeah. we
1: know what
2: uh, the the original remaster came at?
1: It was either sixty or seventy. I think it was seventy. It will be no right. less. It would be no I, less
0: than 60, which is just like, you know, 10, 10 extra yeah. dollars at that okay. point. I'm like,
1: I was guessing oh, 50, really? but we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Somebody in chat can correct us. Uh, Radic says $60 for part one. Um, so I would not think they're going to charge less for this one, although it is a seven year newer <laughs> remaster this time. So uh, Bloodborne remaster is only happening if they have a movie or TV show in the works. Yep, I'm that's probably it. true. Make it that happen, happen Netflix. True. <laughs> I do um, also says this will get a PC release. Yep, absolutely. Um, the Last of Us 2 PS5 is a pointless as Ghost of Tsushima DC, except Naughty Dog has negative goodwill compared to Sucker Punch, having launched a free multiplayer suit for Ghost. Um, yeah, it's pointless for us. I think for the wider industry, it's probably got a purpose. Um, a few more here. This is quite the hot topic, as always. The Last of Us always brings out the Venom. Uh, the, the $10 upgrade isn't a bad deal for Mercenaries-type mode. Get your RE fix in the T-L-O-U universe. Smart choice to copy it. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Another. Tsushima had a few settings extra. You could buy it and upgrade to Director's Cut without the DLC. The straining Director's Cut has a $10 upgrade for everything, PS5 version and content. I never really buy into the upgraded editions. Um, I never have too much, but unless they're free, then I'll check them out. I was so excited for the Tsushima upgrade, and then I hopped into it, saw how pretty it was, and then quit and never went back to it again. (laughs) All right. Um, Oh, one more clarification. $60 for The Last of Us Remastered on PS4, $70 for The Last of Us Part 1 on PS5. So I don't know what's right or not, but I'm guaranteeing it won't be less than part one was uh, for the remaster. So, guys, ready to move on? Let's do it. we done talking about The Last of Us, hopefully, forever. Yep. Until the next one. Number two, Larian Studios is set to release a physical multi platform edition of Baldur's Gate 3 outside of Japan in early 2024. Priced to $80 US, the limited disc based. Sorry, the limited disc-based versions will be available for PS5, PC, and Xbox series. The console versions will span multiple discs, two for PS5, three for Xbox, while the PC version will include a single disc with a downloader app. These physical editions also come with extras, such as a three-disc soundtrack. Despite the game's digital success, the decision for a physical release comes relatively quickly after the digital launch on PS5 in August. Brandon, I want to go to you. First on this, since uh, you and I are the Borders Gate Bros. I think it's really interesting that in this, everything's moving digital. This game is a giant success. It sells millions and millions of copies without needing a physical edition. People like us, yeah, we like physical, but we bought it on PC, so we're used to not having physical, etc. But now several months after the PC launch and about a month and a half or so after the PS five launch, we're hearing we're going to put out a physical edition for everybody. What does that say? Is that more about desire for it? Or is that something to
0: do with industry trends? I don't, I don't, is there demand then? I think there has to be demand. And I think something that Baldur's gate can do that a lot, of other games cannot is I think Baldur's Gate to me. And I think to a lot of people, at least, you know, based on the nominations this year at the game awards, it's one of those games that is almost like a once in a span of many years type of game. It's like an outlier. It's like the lightning in the bottle type of game. And they know that this is something that even people who have casually passed by it, or maybe even people that own it, would even be tempted to kind of buy it again, because when you have something that's of this high of a quality, and that is this much of a trailblazer in a lot of ways, I would say, I think that people see the value in physically owning it. It's like something more like I would, if Baldur's Gate 3 launched at $160, I would have paid for it then, which is the whole point. I would be willing to pay for it twice. Um, So, I think that this is just another added value for people who haven't bought in yet. And I think that there also is a big market for people who realize how monumental this game will be and how it will be talked about for years and years. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, that's something where I'm like, I want more. And the value in the, the set you get here is actually pretty amazing compared to some other, some other games that have come out recently. I mean, what, what they're offering with it. Um, Now, you know, I'm not going to buy a special edition for everything else aside from the game, but you know, it certainly doesn't hurt that there's a lot of cool shit with it as well. So, yeah, Dave,
1: I know you're not a, you haven't played Baldur's Gate, and you're not the physical guy, but what do you think of this move to, you know, after release and saying there would be no physical copy, put out a physical copy?
2: Yeah, I mean, the funny thing with this game is, given how well it was received, uh, I think. Well, what I read was they, they've they sold over two, 22 million copies, and I wouldn't be surprised if they sold another 22 million physical copies because that's how much people love this game, and they would double dip. But I don't know. There's two ways to look at this. In one case, maybe Larian misread the market slightly and didn't really think that the game would be this this much of a hit, and and it wasn't worth going to physical release. Um, the other way to look at it is maybe Larian did know or, you know, they were confident in their in their release and they thought, let's initially release this physically or sorry, digitally, where, you know, we're going to make a little bit more per unit, which it may just be a nominal amount, but you multiply that by 22 million and, and the extra revenue on selling a digital copy versus a physical is a lot more. So maybe that's the strategy and maybe we'll see more of this going forward where an initial release is digital, get all the early adopters to buy digital and then re, uh, have a have a follow up release physical again. I, I don't think we're realistically going to see this with too many games, but maybe that was the approach: is 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 let's let's make all of our money on digital, and then put that physical out later for those who want it as a collector's piece or or the late adopters or whatever it might be. But um, yeah, it's an interesting situation. I suspect that it, it's probably the latter there, where um, Larry knows what they're doing and they they knew they were going to sell a lot. Uh, on PC and and thus they went digital only so um, yeah it's a yeah. good package though I agree with you Brandon it's really good
1: yeah uh, it is interesting there's some comments in chat um, one let's see uh, Baldur's Gate being digital wasn't a shot considering that the devs weren't even sure how the game would be received no point in, in a, uh, investing in a physical release I think I agree with that to some extent but this game was in early access for so long and sold millions of early access copies that it's for at least on PC that it is Hard for me to imagine they did not know that it was going to be a big game, but yeah, I mean we they were packs to
2: too when it was first shown off, mm-hmm. um, and it was I think it was the most popular game at that show. Like it was yeah.
1: the big draw. So yeah, yeah. Uh, Ed has a question about um, the disc sizes. I don't want to get into that as much because I don't have all the details. But he says the Xbox copy is weird at three disc, and the Series X. Uh, uses 100 gig UHD, et cetera, et cetera. So the point there is the Xbox edition, if I'm remembering correctly, is going to be three discs. Did I write that here? Yes. Uh, two, two discs for PS5, three for Xbox, um, which I think the Xbox format is a little bit smaller, so they need more discs for it. Uh, and then the PC version is going to be a single disc that presumably the disc will just unlock the download. Uh, or come with a code or something along those lines Uh, so that's interesting it is this is a game i want to play mostly on pc that's where i've played it so far Uh, i might end up buying a ps5 copy if there's availability once it drops in price eventually but maybe it won't be since you know we'll get into that too but uh it is interesting that even though it's a physical edition it's still going to be uh (laughs) a digital edition because it's just unlocking it which is the way a lot of games go now so Uh, Is there anything else physical with this, though? It it looks like it's just uh, it's coming with extras, but like a three disc soundtrack. I don't know if that's physical or digital. I don't know who wants a three CDs for a soundtrack these days anyway, because I don't even know anybody with a CD player. But I don't know. I didn't see where else uh, what else was coming with it. But I don't even have a disk drive in my PC. I took it out to make space for my uh, graphics card <laughs> because it didn't have enough room. So uh, I just got an empty hole in the front of my computer. So, but yeah, it's all, it's all really interesting. Um, curious to see which version of the game, how many patches they'll have on there, etc. But I think it's good for people who want to copy. I think some people are probably feeling jaded because they already bought it digitally. Cause that was, that was going to be the only way to buy it. And those people, some of those people, including some of us, May have uh, opted for the physical version. But yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, Bonehead, brain dead, digital, only (laughs) ass backward thinking. I should fist fight Phil Spencer and bring brass knuckles. Okay, Um, that's a little extreme. Sounds like a Sony Um, pony mentality right there. That's definitely a Sony (laughs) pony mentality. Uh, Ed says If I'm not mistaken, Xbox was selling Series X and S games on a single disc, and you basically needed a Series X update et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, a little discussion in the chat about what format is used and, and why, um, why it's going to be that difference. Um, I'm just curious to see how many cartridges the switch version will be on Dave, any insight there for us?
2: Sorry. Can you repeat that? I had pulled up my headphone for a second.
1: I said, I'm just curious to see how many cartridges it's going to take for the switch edition. <laughs> I was just uh, going to say, Day. I'm holding up for that. Yeah. I,
2: I've been <laughs> saying
1: Baldur's gate on
2: Switch is That's, that's the native platform. That's where it's That's at. That's
1: the new, the new way. It's going to be your right only down. game on there, so I hope you like it. <laughs> it's going to be only, and you're going to have to switch SD cards. Like, every time you get into a fight, new yeah, SD in cards. In between loading screens. You're going to have to
2: hook up, like, a diesel generator <laughs> to it. Just to power it. Like, oh,
1: All right, moving on. One of our favorite studios to talk about, or favorite publishers to talk about, Annapurna Interactive, has acquired the South African studio 24-bit games. The deal aims to assist 24-bit games in expanding its development team. The South African studio has previously engaged in porting and co-development work for both Indie and AAA studios. Notable collaborations between Annapurna and 24-bit games include titles such as Neon White and Cocoon. The acquisition signifies Annapurna's commitment to quality and its anticipation of growth and expansion opportunities with 24-bit games. The financial details of the deal have not been disclosed. Brandon, we'll hop over to you first, Neon White. You know, I was the champion, but everybody sure. forgot that by the time it, sure. it became popular. Uh, you know, I'm not going to hold sure. that against anyone, but um, this developer, I, I've been hearing great things about Cocoon, especially in our Discord, by the way, handsomefandom.com uh, slash Discord to join up on the Discord. Uh, I've been hearing great things about this Cocoon game. I haven't downloaded I have not checked it out yet on Game Pass, but anyway... What are your thoughts on uh, Annapurna making their first acquisition, is, getting their own Yeah, developer. this is
0: fantastic. Um, not only are they acquiring a studio, which I have had some experience with, and I've heard nothing but good things, but as we've said, Annapurna, we have a, a good relationship with them. Um, at every single PAX we've been to, we've played, I, I think we've almost played every single game, if not every single game that they have at their booth every single time. Uh, they used to hunt I know, us down dude. and ask us and i'm to come not mad play. about yeah. it yeah. their games are good i like yeah. them they have amazing art style and clearly i've said this for years on the show is that they have a vision of what they want and they very rarely miss now, I'm not saying we get 10 out of mm-hmm. 10 experiences every time but we got a quality studio here and i'm glad to see that they picked up some other notable talent this is a win-win this is truly a win-win and in a world of acquisitions that are um I don't want to say discouraging but something that I think could be maniacal or evil at some point or be a net negative for society or uh, you know, us um, this is positive. And I'm really, really, we do. I know live we in do, a society. unfortunately. Um, and, and from what I've been told <laughs> live in a society. Um, but yeah. uh, this is, this is a net positive for everyone. I think, including Anna Perna um, just holding out for neon white too and have cocoon downloaded. I'm not sure if I like it, but, I was considering trying it out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was seeing some buzz uh, about it. And then some people in the discord whose opinions I uh, don't hate. I'm not going to say value because I don't want to give them more credibility, but that I at least don't hate (laughs) uh, said that it was, um, it was awesome. So, that's Definitely a glowing. That's a glowing compliment coming from Ben. I don't hate you. <laughs> I don't. I didn't say I didn't hate them. I said I didn't hate their opinions on video games. There's a major difference. That's actually there. pretty good. Yeah, okay. you,
0: you guys should run with that. Whoever that is, run with that because that's yeah. Put that I on rate. your
1: resume right now. You just change your name in Discord to Ben doesn't hate my game your, opinions. Your LinkedIn headline
2: is Ben doesn't hate me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will put community notes on that (laughs) to make sure you know that it's not you. It's the game opinions uh, that you have. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, Dave, you've been a big fan of Annapurna published games as well. And I don't know if you got a chance to check out Cocoon or Neon White, but uh, I would recommend at least Neon White highly to anybody who likes fast paced. Well, just fast paced run and gun kind of games. Um, it's It's a lot of fun.
2: I think after all the chat about uh, Cocoon this weekend on on the Discord, I I checked it out and it definitely looks a little bit more up my alley. Um, But yeah, 24-bit games. This is interesting and I kind of suspect that maybe 24-bit has had a little bit more involvement in these games than just porting and developing. Um, You know, both of these games were very positively received and... Uh, twenty four bit games on their website actually has uh, other pretty high profile Annapurna games listed as games they've worked on, including um, Maquette, Twelve Minutes, and Broforce. Oh wow. wow! Um, so I mean, this they've had you know a long relationship with Annapurna. Um, so yeah, whatever their first solo project, it, well, not solo, but you know, with project that they are uh, accountable for primarily. I think whatever it is is going to be. Um, pretty high profile in terms of Annapurna stuff, so looking forward to that for sure.
1: It looks like they worked on Gone Home and Tacoma as well. Um, Heave Ho, that was a big one. It didn't really strike a chord with me, but it was definitely a hit. Um, so they, they, okay, so they've apparently been working with Annapurna for a long time, but specifically on these couple of games. So I
2: was sure when I was going to see uh, the Pathless on there, but it wasn't. Just, oh yeah,
1: you know, yeah. The Pathless is um, maybe one of the most overlooked hits, like not hits, the most overlooked quality games of the PS5 generation. I really think that game is special and I can't explain why other than that. Like when I played it, I felt like I've never experienced Zen or whatever kind of new age bullshit that is. But um, if there was if I've ever been anywhere close, that was it. Uh, to feeling at one with the world, I guess you could say. So Annapurna, amazing publisher. They never, almost never miss. And then um, 24-bit seems to be a a major win in my book. And yes, Brandon, in a world of discouraging uh, acquisitions and layoffs and everything else, I think this is a good one. Because if you can provide a a small studio like this, getting firepower from a, a small publisher that has... Nothing but quality. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, comments in chat. Cocoon rules. That's good to hear. Um, Annapurna was founded by former Sony Santa Monica devs who worked on the X dev team. They assisted games like Journey, Unfinished One, et cetera. Nice. I did not know about that. Um, oh, as far as Annapurna. Yeah, I kind of, I feel like I did remember that, but it looks like a, Radic wrote that like a chat GPT response. Somehow. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Copy and paste of that from
2: Wikipedia. But it's funny. Journey makes a lot of sense when you yeah. look at games like the Pathless and Cocoon and stuff like that. Like you really see those kind of parallels and inspirations. So for yeah. sure.
1: Yeah. Cool. Moving on. One of my favorite topics. And I know Brandon's in love with this one as well. The Nier series created by Yoko Taro is confirmed to continue as long as Yoko Taro is involved. The announcement was made during a presentation at the South Korean G-Star Conference by producer Yosuke Saito. I think I pronounced that correctly. I'm not good with Asian pronunciations. Who pledged the series continuation as long as Yoko Taro is, quote, alive and kicking. While no concrete details about future projects were shared, Saito hinted at an unannounced collaboration between the two with hopes to reveal more next year. Brandon, I gotta go to you first. One of your favorite games of all time, Nier Automata. You know the the creator of that, Yoko Taro says. It sounds like there's going to be more as long as he's alive. Please do
0: not assassinate him, Brandon. Don't sign me up for anything, Ben. Don't put these <laughs> thoughts in my head. Um, no, this is good, man. Honestly, I give near a lot of shit, and that's mostly because everybody circle jerks around it in a in a in a like uh, propeller fashion. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's a good game. I played a couple endings. I don't know why I didn't stick with it. Um, I enjoyed the time I had, and I think that it has a very high mark of quality, um, and I accept, uh, I especially appreciated the soundtrack um, was, was 10 out of 10 as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, this is good. Yeah. I feel like th- th- I'm hopeful for my relationship with Nier in the future because I feel like it was a hair away from being something I would love. So as the yeah. series develops more, who knows? Maybe I'll go back. Maybe I'll like the next one better. Maybe the combat will be better. But it's not.
1: Yeah, that's a shame <laughs> that you think that. Um, Dave, we talked a little while back about uh, you checking out near Automata and you didn't. And I want to know what the hell's wrong with you. Um, I'm scared of that game you should be <laughs> uh,
2: but also I'm kind of confused now so like if I were to want to get into the series and I'm not I'm not expecting to play a game and know all of the lore kind of getting right into it but like where do I start like is autumn uh, automata a good a good start or is like I know Replicant was like a remake of a game that actually came out before mm-hmm. automata and I know there's Dragon Guard and, and uh Gestalt in that. I guess that's a little bit too obscure, but wh- where do I start, Ben?
1: I'm going to give you my experience because everybody's experience with this is a little different. And some people, maybe even uh, a person in our chat, is a freak and will try to convince you of something. I have no idea what it will be, but I'll give you my experience. The first game I played was Near Automata. It was recommended to me highly by our buddy Dustin. And um, that's where I started. Then after that, I went and played Replicant. And it was I played the remake or the remaster or whatever it ended up being. I can't exactly remember. And they added some other content. And it illuminated many more things prior to Automata that like, oh, wow, this is how that happened. This made sense. Because I have never played them in the reverse order, obviously. I, never, I didn't play Replicant first. It's hard for me to say whether that would be more impactful or less. I felt like getting the background on that stuff after I played it was incredibly illuminating. Um, but I think for someone who maybe played them in a different order, that would be different. The very first game in the series, uh, I never have touched. I don't even know that I've seen anything of it. I've just, I'm have just i one of those guys who have gone back. I, like I'm not usually this person, but for Nier specifically, I went back and like read a bunch of stuff. I ordered all the graphic novels and, and uh, the books and the short stories and everything else and read all those, but that was all after the experience. So I think you could easily start with automata because i do think that is the best game of the three personally um the three or four or five depending on how you want to look at it but i think that's the best one and if you love that game enough if you like that game it will be easy to go back to the other games that i feel are lesser uh a little more grindy a little more a little worse combat which i know brandon thinks automata's combat is bad i don't i think it's really good but i'd say automata but if you wanted to, you could start with Replicant, but I don't think that they are... I don't think that Replicant gives you a really good feel of what Automata is actually like. They're they're very different, but if the lore means something to you, then you'll want to go back to Replicant. That's just my opinion. Fair enough. Um. In chat... Ed says, you can do either Automata or Replicant. You do not need to play Guard. The only two games in the series you should play in any order is Automata or Replicant. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's pretty much my basic opinion as well. But I, I definitely think, knowing your play style and your games and, and how you like games, and also the length of these games, I think Automata is a solid start. And if you never go back to Replicant, you're still fine. If you start with Replicant and never see Automata, I think you're doing yourself a disservice, but... Again, just my opinion. Also, Brandon's kicked off the show. Um, he didn't say this on the show, but the other night he said, well, he did just say it a minute ago, but the other night he said something about, uh, I'm sorry that automata's uh, combat is ass. And I honestly <laughs> wanted to throw a chair at him when he said that.
0: I also just like getting you um, up. But.
1: I think ass. So. I, know you know. <laughs> I think you were also um, maybe mildly intoxicated no, when no, you no, said no, it. No, 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 no. no. So I can't really speak I am, to whether or not I am you were straight as an arrow
0: you know, tonight. And I say the same thing again. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. All right, moving on. I originally had these
1: as two separate stories I, and I, they still are, but I'm just going to read them together. Uh, Amazon games is laying off 180 employees, primarily affecting its prime related offerings. The crown channel team responsible for organizing game related events on Twitch has been disbanded. The layoffs extend to Amazon's game growth initiative designed to help publishers promote titles. Chris Hartman, VP of Amazon games communicated the decision in an email, emphasizing a refocus on prime gaming, which will prioritize delivering free games each month. Despite the layoffs, Amazon games remains focused on upcoming releases like throne and Liberty blue protocol, tomb Raider and Lord of the Rings games, which they're publishing most of those. And then moving on in, just to more layoffs, the Embracer group facing negative results and the fallout from a failed deal has laid off 900 developers, resulting in studio closures and dismissals. Volition, the studio behind Saints Row, has shut down completely, and Crystal Dynamics, known for Tomb Raider, laid off 10% of its workforce. Rumors are still suggesting, I don't think this has been confirmed, that free radical design has been closed, impacting the new time splitters project. Despite challenges, Dead Island 2 is profitable and Payday 3, despite a troubled launch, is already making a profit. The CEO emphasized the difficulty of such decisions, and, of course, he expressed gratitude to those departing. So, Dave, we got a couple of different companies here uh, doing different things, but laying people off. Um, I don't know. Take this in any way you would like.
2: Yeah, I, I find the Embracer thing kind of interesting, uh, especially with the, the failed deal um, that it refers to there. I did a little bit more reading on that. I don't know if we talked about this, but I, I guess this went down in the in the summer but embracer had uh i guess a deal in theory worked out with a company called the savvy group that was backed by the saudi public investment fund so saudi money uh that was apparently worth like two billion dollars or some ridiculous amount of money and um apparently this this group had already given embracer like a billion dollars in acquisition money so i'm kind of wondering like if, if Embracer got a little bit ahead of themselves with some of these acquisitions and because some money had already changed hands, they had started started gobbling up some some developers. And then, of course, when this deal fell through, suddenly that, that future capital isn't going to be there. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know what's really going on under Embracer Group or why this deal fell through or what the implications would have been long-term, but it's uh, there's, there's some there's some questionable sort of investment practices that are, that seem to be coming through the video game industry. So too bad, obviously for people who have lost their jobs. And I hope that we don't start to see, um, beloved franchise kind of go on ice because of investment, you know, practices like this, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I really want another tomb Raider. I do. Cause they were, they're yeah. really good games and, uh, I hope, you know, they, they don't get, uh, get put out for too long because of stuff like this so yeah
1: brandon i think um it was really i don't want to say obvious but it was really uh eye-opening when every week we were discussing a new embracer acquisition and you know some of them were great and some of them were mid developers and we look at it and we were like how are they going to keep doing this well now we know they weren't going to keep doing this and we talked about the Saudi thing um, might have been one of the weeks, one of the few weeks that Dave wasn't here. But um, that whole deal falling through, obviously uh, not great, but also like, I don't know. Do you put all your egg? Do you do you buy a bunch of shit just expecting that you're going to get a big cash injection? I don't know if that's a smart move. Yeah. Are we going to see them totally?
0: Collapse? I mean, part of me wants, well, actually, most of me wants that to happen, but. Not for the people involved, for the for the company's sake, but yeah, I mean, it was something that we really should have seen coming and everybody being gobbled up by Embracer should have seen this coming. I mean, you just cannot sustain that large uh, of an intake of both money and talent and just keep it going. I mean, I don't think any company could have do it, let alone, you know, backed by Saudi money or otherwise. So um Another sad story, um, Amazon doesn't seem to be hit as bad. Um, I find it interesting because I feel like even if the games aren't making as much money, there could have probably been cuts in other places because they make profits through the roof. So I think that might be a little insight to Amazon's gaming presence in general is that it is underperforming in some way. Uh, and the best way to remedy that is to make cuts, even if they're making money everywhere else. Um, so I guess we're having two giants kind of hurting um, because they inflated too much. So, yeah, it sucks, especially the numbers. I mean, would you say 900 some people from the one alone uh, that that hurts quite a bit. So doesn't doesn't get yeah. any easier anytime we talk about it. But, you know, it really is important to understand the market. And I think this year will genuinely um change not only how we view this sort of thing going forward, but how people in the industry decide to position themselves um, because it doesn't seem like many people are safe, especially, especially with these giants. So.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because um, at multiple points in the last couple of years, I wasn't like hardcore looking for a job or something, but I saw listings that appealed to me at both Amazon games. And I know someone who's there, who's, kind of a high up person that i thought i could reach out to this person and decided not to explore it ultimately and then there was a pos- position with um i can't remember who it was now but somebody who's owned by embracer and i'm just thinking now like well, wow, i'm glad i don't know that would have gotten the jobs but i'm glad i didn't apply because who knows like it right. could have been chopped but one thing i wanted to bring up was specifically with amazon it's really interesting i don't Obviously, they've had a couple hits. New World is still a decent sized game. I think there's still quite a few people who who are playing that one. And it's a pay to play game. Plus, you know, obviously in game transactions as well. But Amazon is giving away in their gaming division. They're giving away a Twitch Prime sub, which for those who don't know, if you have an Amazon Prime account, you get an automatic free subscription to any channel every month. And when you do that, it counts just the same as a subscription for the streamer. And so they still end up getting about $2.50. $2.50. Um, so that's every month. So that is about, what, $30, $35 bucks a year out of your $120 Amazon Prime subscription that they're just handing it to someone. If you're using that, not everybody uses it, obviously. And then they're giving away all sorts of free games every month. Um, through through good old games or um, some other method just uh, on the Amazon Games platform. And I would assume just like any subscription company, they are having to buy rights to give away those games. And sometimes they're really garbage little duds. And other times they're like, oh, wow. Okay, it's an old game. It's dishonored. You know, that's an old game now. You'd probably buy it for 5 or $10 on Steam. But it's still they still had to pay for it to give it away, I would assume. So it's, I'm really curious how their whole gaming division is generating money because I have Amazon Prime and I utilize those things because I have Amazon Prime. I don't sign up for Amazon Prime because of those things because I don't think overall they would pay for the subscription. So I'm just curious how Amazon is affording anything else in their game division when they are giving away so much stuff for free, essentially. And it, again... Many, many millions of people subscribe to Amazon Prime. A small portion of them probably actually taking advantage of these things, but I don't know. It's interesting, Dave. I know you've been in and out. You've, you're just like every subscription—you sign up for for Amazon Prime when you need it, and then cancel it when you don't. But I don't know. Does that affect their their overall game? You know, sector. I
2: think so. It's it. The thing is, is I think their their whole gaming involvement in the gaming business is is so much in its infancy that it probably isn't really making the money just yet um but they do have successes like you mentioned such as you know New World Lost Ark and and stuff like that also interesting uh all of their games pretty much are MMOs that yeah. just seems yeah. to be kind of what they do right um but this this these game related events and in, in whatever these people were doing as part of Amazon Gaming, it seemed like a, a like a non direct revenue generator and it probably was an initiative that a fa- had a fairly short leash. Whereas you know if this doesn't start generating a net positive over you know sixteen months or something, then we're we're cutting loose. So um yeah, I don't know. I, I assume most of this is being subsidized by Amazon's other business, of which they are printing money. But you're right. I mean, I th- I think a lot of people out there don't know the benefits. And so I only just recently learned about the games that you get with Amazon Prime. Like, I, I didn't know that before. But they- they're building something here. And just like PS Plus, you know, two years ago, it starts small. And after a while, suddenly it's it's a really good deal. So I think that's the direction that Amazon is going. And they, they have more than enough money to play with to, to get themselves there. So, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree. It'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. And uh, hopefully, you know, more people don't lose jobs. But also, that's just how business works. And it sucks. But moving on, this one is not really news as much as I just wanted to talk about this subject. Half-Life 2. No, not Half-Life 2. Half-Life in general. Valve is celebrating the 25th anniversary of Half-Life with various promotions and updates. A new update for the original game includes multiplayer maps, restored content, Graphics options and full compatibility with the Steam Deck. To mark the occasion, Half Life is temporarily free to keep on Steam and other games in the franchise are discounted. By the way, I think I saw the orange box on Steam. I think I, I it was like a dollar ninety nine. I already had everything in it, so I didn't I I didn't buy it, but um if you don't have everything in it, a dollar ninety nine is a pretty dang good deal. Half-Life is temporarily free to keep on Steam and other games in the franchise are deeply discounted. Additionally, Valve has released a documentary featuring the original development team sharing memories of creating the iconic game. Despite ongoing speculation, there hasn't been any active development on Half-Life 3 with Valve reportedly focusing on Steam Deck-friendly titles. Have either of you played Half-Life? Okay. Brandon, uh, this is your second strike this episode. Be careful uh, for the rest of the episode. You don't get another one. Um, But uh, Dave... Tell me about tell me about Half Life. What was your experience with Half Life? I just wanted to talk about the game. Fond memories
2: on. of Half Life. Uh, I had a close friend growing up who uh, he and his brothers were big into magic, and mm. I think his parents came across some money one day and decided that um, they were going to try to turn their kids' love of magic into a business. So they opened up like a card shop um, that had like a whole bunch of tables for people to play magic and other games but they also had a whole bunch of like computers set up and that was around the time half-life was big Mm -hmm. so i would like hang out with him in the summer at his parents store and just play half-life and they kind of got grumpy because normally you have to pay to play the games on their on their computers and i was their (laughs) son's friend so but yeah i I have pretty fond memories (laughs) of half-life uh just swinging that crowbar around was so fun and and it it I, I don't know, I just really like the feel of it and and it was kind of like, it felt like a more sophisticated Doom, which I that's was my other reference point when it came to first person shooters. Um, and then Half-Life 2 uh, the Orange Box was probably one of the best games I've ever purchased in terms of, you know, pound for pound package. Uh, played through the Orange Box in University on my Xbox 360. Loved Portal, loved Episode 2, all that stuff, so yeah, I really like Half Life, and I'm really sad that it's the 25th anniversary of the Half Life franchise. And if we're not getting a Half Life Three announcement on the 25th anniversary, then I think we never are. And I always kind of wonder, like, did the storefront kill Half Life Three? Mm. If so, why did they make Alex? It's 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 such a mystery. Like, they, they it seems like this, Valve had every intention of making Half Life Three, and it just I don't know.
1: It seems it's like weird. they they're clearly on the hardware trajectory at this point obviously with the Steam Deck being pretty huge and successful and profitable by all accounts and I think they made Alex to showcase um the Valve Index that they made yeah. uh which I don't think has been as large of a success as the Steam Deck Steam Deck uh, and then before that they made the Steam Link and all of these are just ways for you to like there are things for you to purchase, which probably makes them a little bit of money. But the Steam Deck alone, I know there are people who have never touched a PC, but now they're buying games on on uh, on Steam. And there are plenty of people who are PC gamers, and now they're more willing to buy another game that they wouldn't normally buy because they can play it on their couch or play it at grandma's house on Thanksgiving or whatever. So it seems like they're becoming more hardware-focused. And I think you're right that we might not ever get a Half-Life 3. But I think that you know there's a lot of talk about g t a six right now and an incoming announcement and a reveal of it or whatever, and that being one of the biggest games to ever exist, and I think that's true. I think it might my numbers end up being the biggest game that ever exists, but half life three, if it was good, would probably blow it out of the water. I don't know about actual acquisition numbers of the of the game like people buying it but I think the chatter would be crazier than GTA 6 would ever be I don't know that's just speculation on my part but it'll be interesting my, uh, my experience I remember playing I got a whole like um, CD set of all the Half-Life games or of Half-Life 1 and the expansions and I remember playing it at my grandma's house on my dad's Sony Vio because I got it right before we went on a trip to my grandma's house and I was playing on my dad's Sony Vio, and I had to run the phone cord from her kitchen to her living room so I could plug in the, the laptop to play the game. And each of the CDs came with, like, it was the CD, but then it also had a key with it. And I remember being really irritated that I had to go and download this stupid client named Steam <laughs> in its infancy, infancy. And then redeem these codes because I was like, I have the disc. Why do I have to redeem them on this, this stupid website? And so some things, I mean, I've not been as resistant to new storefronts since then, but um, I remember back when that came out, that was a very popular opinion that Steam was garbage because you had to download something else to play a game. So now I'm like, whatever, Epic Game Store, bring it on. I don't care. But anyway, uh, Half-Life 2, phenomenal. Brandon, to bring you in on this, I think it's dated now. And I think that some of that's apparent. But with as big of a first-person shooter, first-person games in general person as you are, and as someone who loves so many things that have been directly influenced by Half-Life, I think
0: you got to play yeah, it. I might somewhere. have to check it out. It, there's no doubt that I've heard the praises of this game. Um, mm-hmm. Knowing myself, though, I don't know that it will be enough. Um, but I certainly would be yeah. willing to give it a try. I, I think that it's I not very long. of all old games, I would be most, um, most intrigued by the by the idea of playing a first person shooter. So,
1: yeah, a couple things in chat here. Uh, Campo Santo was making a version of Half Life Three, but got scared and pivoted to Alex. Um, yes, that's true, and I think that any like at Valve, they're allowed to work on whatever they want if they get enough of a group, and. I think Half-Life 3 is one of those things that's like, do you really want to work on one of the most desired games ever? Knowing that if it flops, your name is basically mud. Um, Dave is laughing and I'm holding off laughter (laughs) because someone, and I know who this is, but someone named Hulk Hogan just entered into the chat and said in all capital letters, well, let me tell you something, brother. You better
0: play Half-Life 1 and 2, brother. Let me tell you something. It's the greatest shooter to ever exist.
2: Brandon, what if I play near in 2024 and you play Half Life? Brandon doesn't care. I can't if you play sign Nier. up for
0: any more bets this year.
2: <sighs> it's not a bet. It's, it's just like a. It's like a. It's like a friendship. It is a bet because I don't just, think I'm going to you know. play it.
0: <laughs> Why aren't you going to play Half Life, know. bro? It's just a, it, maybe. Who, anything's possible. Anything is possible. New year, new me. You know. You know that saying. New <laughs> year, new me. It might be the Half Life year.
1: I just don't, I don't understand any resistance to it because it is one of the greatest games you, ever made. Brandon, he does not have to buy, buy it. it. He, he We can Steam. I, I'll buy it. Yeah, whatever. It's like $2.
0: It's free on Steam right now. He doesn't have to buy it. I think that when I play games that I instantly from my gut don't want to play, that I never enjoy playing them. Okay, but why Brandon. don't you want to play it? I, I don't have a good reason. I really don't. Wow. I might play it. I might play it just to spite you guys, because you 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 guys think that I can't. <laughs>
2: I'm gonna pay I'm gonna, full I'm price for
0: it. suck game stick, and then I'm gonna play it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna suck yeah, you, hear me brother. brother. Stinky game needs to bring in, Jack. <laughs> Please don't do that, dude. Hulk Hulk's going crazy. He's a Hulkamaniac in the chat. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ed
1: says. Owning anything over a 1050 Ti means you have to play the Half Life games. I'm pretty sure I played that on a on. I know I played that on a Sony Vio 1997 integrated graphics card. I don't know that. I know, I don't know if it. Uh, yeah. He also says, also I am an illegal. Uh, I don't know if that has well, to God. do with anything, but now he's on record saying it. Alright boys, it's time to talk about what, we, what we've been playing. Brandon and I, you you and I share a sure. title and because of your uh, your moving situation it's the only title I think you've been able to play but tell me about your experience this week in Fortnite OG and I will Fortnite, chime in. Fortnite OG
0: um, I'm back playing Fortnite again. I can't fucking believe I'm saying this. Um <laughs> For a while, it was Destiny, like the game that kept coming back up over and over again. But Fortnite is the same thing, man. And I keep going back. And do you know what the funniest part of it is? is? I'd say about half the time when I go back to Destiny, I have fun for more than like a couple hours. Fortnite, I almost always have fun when I go back. I don't know what it is, man. I don't know what it is. I'm having a ton of fun playing Fortnite OG. Um, it might be because we're fucking getting them dubs. Over and over, we got four wins last night in one night, mm-hmm. four victory royales in like two hours. My man, um, and you know nobody come at me in the chat. It's of, of course it's zero build. Um, we're we're old men at this rate. Um, we don't need to be competing yeah. with people who can't grow mustaches. Okay, um, so <laughs> you know zero build <laughs> is the way to go. I'm having a ton of fun with it. It is really cool to be back on the original map. Many, many good memories. It's not the OG map. It's called the OG map, but we were playing before OG OG. We were a part of the Founders yeah. edition. We had Epic send us. Um back when it was just Save the World. I remember. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. And um I literally played the Battle Royale yeah. on day one like of Absolutely. the first. Day I existed, so it's it not was like that. so different. <laughs> but uh, no, it's it's really cool. And I, I think you're having quite a bit of fun. Um, have, having wins certainly doesn't make the situation worse. Um, but yeah, just all in all, just super cool to see the old map with all the new mechanics. Because that's the thing about it, too, is it's like they didn't just put the map in, right? It's in Unreal mm-hmm. Engine 5, and you can still slide and mantle and the nine yards. So. Really, really cool. It just yeah. feels like an updated something that I remembered. So, sure,
1: it's definitely scratching the niche. And I don't know if it's because it's Fortnite and it's a good game. And I, even though I trash on Fortnite all the time and have for years, even when I was enjoying it before, and I still trash on it, still. Um, I will go on record and say I think it is one of the best modern shooters ever made. It is just basically flawless in its execution of everything it does. Bar none. Um, it's a phenomenally made game. And yeah, the tie-ins are trashy and I hate them. And the culture around it sucks, but the game itself
0: and It works is a well good game. All the time. It and
1: just, it just works. works. Just works. Just like Todd Howard said it would. And uh, <laughs> um, it's interesting because... Used to, when we played, you know, years ago, there were no bots. We never saw a bot. Uh, They didn't exist in the game. And then, you know, there was a lot of concern over it when they started adding in bots. But when we drop in lately, very often we're dropping in with like another team or two and they're bots and we kill them immediately. And it's like, yeah, I got some kills, even though they're bots. And the AI is pretty good most of the time. But some of the time they're just swinging a pickaxe at a wall while there's 14 people shooting them. And so that's a little weird. But generally what happens is you kill a few bots and then you find the real players. Like all the bots die out immediately and then you get a few players. Brandon, last night after you hopped off, I played a couple more games with uh, your brother. And Cam and I were playing and literally we had like 15 or 17 kills. And it was down to the last 10 people, the last circle. And everyone who was left was like a uber sweat real player. And there were no more bots. But we had so many bots up until that point that I was like unprepared for a real team. And so you just go in and you're like, ah, whatever, we're we're going to ask this round. And then you just get melted because you like weren't in that mindset. And so I think the bots are a good addition, especially to fill lobbies and stuff so they don't feel dead. But when you get a lobby and you hop in and before the first circle even starts to close, you're already down to 50 out of the 100 players on the map. That's a little concerning to me. Like that, it just... At that point, you're like, okay, they should put more real players in here. Clearly, they have the player base for it. It's not like they're hurting for people to play the game right now. So that's one of my, I like the feeling of like, just you're running around killing bots. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm a little, I'm a little confused about the bots situation, personally. But I'm having a lot of fun with it, regardless. Um Alex dies twice says I see that Brandon is the brain rot specialist of this podcast. Alex, you and I have shared our opinions on many many games over the years in uh, in Discord and um you and I share many of the brain rot things. Brandon is the specialist, but I am his backup uh when it comes to Fortnite for sure. For those who don't know, Brandon and I and Dustin used to have a podcast all about Fortnite and it hit the top of the iTunes charts for many weeks in a row. So, you know, we might have created some of the. This shit ID. ain't nothing to us, this man. Is this is this shit ain't nothing to me, man. That uh, might have been like 2018, actually 2017, even. I don't know. It was a long time ago. And then uh, Radic says it's insane how Fortnite is old enough to be nostalgic about it. Absolutely. And Brandon said something last night that I thought was uh, was was pretty observant. He said, "With the success of Fortnite OG, I'm pretty sure they're going to bring back Verdansk in Warzone, even though
0: that's only like three or four years old." There's nostalgia for Verdant, dude. Already. They have to. Forty-four um, million players in a day. Yeah. They they can't be seeing those numbers and thinking, "Wow, we could do something like this." Especially with the new campaign, yeah. they have a lot of the POIs already in the new shit. So,
1: right, Dave. When are you gonna play Fortnite with us?
2: I don't think I'm there yet. Oh. <laughs> let's let's get near out of the way. Let's start there, and then maybe I'll yeah, take for Fortnite. Fair
1: enough. And then you can play near Brandon can play Half-Life, and then we'll all play Fortnite together. Sounds good. Okay. Dave, tell me about your lineup here.
2: Yeah, so uh, I've continued on playing uh, Metroid Dread. Um, I'm loving this game. Uh, I'm just over halfway through it, and I'm already kind of sad that it's going to end soon. Um, I don't know what it is about it. It's just so satisfying kind of working your way through an area and finding a new upgrade and like playing around with it and being like, Oh shit, now I can go back and do this, this and this. And I think that's just a cool feeling and having it in a 2d side scrolling package. That's like a really high quality package is a great thing. And I'm really liking that. Um, With that said, I am confident now in saying that I'm on team fuck Emmys. Um, they're just not fun. They're not cool. I don't know if they're supposed to be scary, but they're they're just annoying. And like when you finally unlock the ability in each area to kill the Emmy, um, it do you have to go through this really annoying like shooting mini game that is just not fun. But with that said, even with how annoying the Emmys are, it's uh, I'm still really really having a great time with Metroid Dread. So I'm I'm glad I finally pulled the trigger on it. <clears throat> um, the other thing I've finally been playing is uh, Mary Wonder uh, I've got it in the mail last week and I've been playing quite a bit through the weekend I don't really have anything new to say that you haven't already said Ben it's it's just such a fun creative and like delightful game that's the word that I've, I've been using with some friends is like play this game it's just delightful and it's not even nostalgic like it is but it's just it's just so great to like jump in a level and like you could you know, be a decent way through into the game and you're seeing something completely new, a new idea, a new sort of platform and mechanic that you're using. So it's great. I I love that, like, you get the elephant, like, early on and you have to, like, squirt all over people (laughs) and you're collecting, like, you're building up your supply of, of seeds and spreading your seeds all around the kingdom and stuff. And it's just like, and the Wonder Flowers is, like, you guys cannot convince me that someone didn't like look at a level and be like guys here's what i think. What if we did this level but you're on LSD? That's what these fucking wonderflowers are. It's it's just like a complete trip and like there's so much of that in this game. But in any case, yeah, I'm really liking Mario Wonder. It's um it's I I said some pretty untoward things about the uh the 2D crop of Mario games and I'd like to take them all back because I think I'm having a better time with this than I was with Odyssey. Um, just because it's a little bit more focused. Um, as I said, I'm playing it like like you are Ben where I'm like I'm not moving to a new level until I've gotten everything in the previous level. But I know for a fact, when I, when I get to the part of the game when the majority of the levels are like four- and five-star levels, five-star difficulties, I'm going to say fuck this because I, I know it's going to get like Crash Bandicoot hard. Maybe not, not that hard, but um, in any case, yeah, I'm having a really good time with uh, Mario Wonder. And yeah, some good Switch days for me lately. That's for yeah.
1: sure. Nice. I've been spending... Literally, so I, I platinumed Alan Wake 2 last week, the night before the show, I think. And then... I was like, you know what? I'm just going to devote time to Mario Wonder right now. Because for some reason I have this thing in my head where I'm like, well, any game on a Switch has to be my secondary game. Well, right now it's my primary game. I don't know why I have that thought in my head, but I do. And so I've only been playing Fortnite and Mario Wonder and mostly Mario Wonder. And at this point, Dave, I have 100 percented every stage and every world except for the very, very secret last one. And it's not really a secret, but basically once you once you 100% all, everything else and you get everything possible, you open up one more world. And I won't say exactly what this world is for those who may not want to know, but it is balls difficult. Part of it is that There are very few checkpoints, and the level is incredibly long. Showcases many of the the features throughout the game. So even after 100%ing everything, getting every blue checkmark on every level, getting every blue checkmark on every world, getting everything, I have spent somewhere between 175 and 225 lives on this last level. See, I don't want to get to a point where I hate it.
2: I don't hate it, <laughs> but because, for I would hate I
1: would hate that i yeah. I don't have that persistence, but well, now it's a matter of I'm going to beat this, and no one is going to convince me otherwise. The problem is because the checkpoints are so far apart, so you you run up, you get a checkpoint, and then you you know you have several more portions of that level to go and then until you get another checkpoint. So if it takes you a long time in between those levels, you run out of lives, and eventually you know. It's a game over, even though technically it just means you don't have that checkpoint anymore. So you have to start over. And the game actually gives you the option after you have cleared the whole game and unlocked that world. Maybe it does it before that, but I didn't notice it. To buy 100 lives specifically for that challenge. And so I've done that twice now. (laughs) And um, I have gotten to the point where I have seen the flag at the end of this ultimate crazy challenge level three times. I've seen it. And the level is like, I watched a speed run just like when, after I had done this a hundred times, just to make sure I wasn't missing something. I watched somebody do a speed run and they finished it. It took a speed runner like seven minutes to do it. And I am nowhere near a speed runner. And I died a lot of times and you know, whatever. And I'm also collecting every, like all the important stuff along the way. So this level, like, if you have to start at the beginning to get all the way to the end, let's say you don't die, if you're a speedrunner and you're amazing, it's still going to take you, like, potentially 10 minutes. So it is to the point where I am so stubborn that I have Mario RPG sitting right there. I bought it on Saturday. It's sitting there. It is still in the package because I refuse to start playing a new game anywhere until I 100% Mario Wonder including the ultimate special final test, whatever it's called, final, final, final. It plays a trick on you. I mean, it's not really a trick. It's see-through, but... So that's where I'm at. And I am... Oh, so tense just thinking about it. Just thinking about it. But I love it. I still do love it. It's, it's this actual real challenge. And... The part I'm at, there is no way to make it easier on yourself. Um, there's no hacks. There's no, there's no like special tricks. You just, you just got to do it, and it's rough. So that's what I've been playing. Guys, we're going to get out of here, but before we do, remember, go over to patreon.com slash Sign up to support us. Go over to this phantom.com uh, slash discord. We appreciate that. And if you haven't already, if you're in here in the live chat right now, there's a little thumbs up button on the video you can give. Go ahead and click that like button, the like, the thumbs up, whatever. Just do it. I don't even know if it impacts an algorithm or anything. I just want you to do it to make me feel better and to make us feel better. We're going to talk for just a couple minutes here after the show. If you're an audio listener, we appreciate you. We'll see you next time. And if you're a video viewer, hope you stick around for a few minutes to hang out with us. Thanks for listening and watching, everyone. And have a great week. The HP Podcast is made possible by our patrons over at patreon.com slash handsomephantom. The following patrons are at the $5 level or above. Toby Ryland, Edward Walton, Josh Cummings, Jared, Poot, Boots, Passive Pixels Edwin Castillo, Maurice Bays, HTrons, Nuke Dukem, Derek O, Rainick, Christian Snow, Gravelicious, Benji Bop, and Johnny Waffles.